Welcome to episode 723 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 723 of I Am Talk with Coach John Euston and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Good. Top of the morning to you, Bevan, on this warm winter's day. Top of the day. morning to you. It's going to be 19 degrees today. I know. Which is like a British summer's day in the middle of winter for us. We're almost at the shortest day. Seven days, six or seven days to go. I know. I do love the shortest day, John, because I love it. I love, I don't mind weather. I don't, I don't mind the seasons. Mm-hmm. I like the seasons, but I love the light. And I have to admit this morning, because we went to the gym and I got my jacket on, walked outside, I was like, what? Don't need this on. Don't need that. No. Did you swim this morning? I did indeed. What'd you do? 3,400 metres. Got a bit of few, com- not complaints, but uh, at the end we did 850s. We do 25 metres sort of water polo style, head up, Ooh. 25 swim, and then 25 butterfly, 25 swim. There was a few moans and groans in the lane this morning. What was the longest set? Uh, three four hundreds to send one to three. Uh, and then after our warm-up, we did eight 100s, but holding our breath, you do one length three-stroke breathing, one length five-stroke, one length seven-stroke, one length nine-stroke. When you do the nine-stroke, you only really get one breath in the middle of the, the length. Is so, it a gasping? Yeah, so a bit of, bit of hypoxic breathing, three 400s descend. And did you design 50s. a session? I do, yep. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't sound like I'd be a fan I was of yours. wallowing at the back of the lane. So there's an hour swimming? An hour swim, yep. Jeez, jeepers, creepers. Okay, guys, in this week's show, oh, I'm talking is proudly brought to you by our patrons. We've got uh, Craig, the Time Lord McCarthy. Ian, the Blade Blakelock. We've got Paul, Two Wheel Predator Monk. Nice work. Good one. Uh, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. A uh, good hot topic, actually. Uh, we've got a great interview with a young lady by the name of... Nikki Bartlett. Yep, she's a pro athlete. She's been doing really well in the virtual racing, but also she's got a pretty cool story and pretty cool chick. Um, we've also got website of the week, winger of the week, and questions and answers at the end, John. Well, more VR racing. And what was really cool, and you'll hear about this from Nikki, is they actually get a decent amount of money from it. Yeah, well, I think this might be the first time there's been any prize money on offer, which is which is great to see. Uh, Hot on the Heels, Super League also had some prize money available for their Zwift Racing. But why, um, really why I want to kick off with the, the virtual racing each week is because we do have you know some age group racing as well. Mm. So I think they had maybe a few more finishes last week in the, the Championship Series division where it is actually racing and you're under the rules and regulations. They had 1,511 finishes, so it was over uh, the Olympic distance duathlon so you got to do 3k run 40k bike and a 10k run and they used a different course this week they were in Australia riding on the Port Macquarie course so 40ks of that so it looked like it had a few hills in there um, so Bevan pick a couple of age groups um, I'll do male age groups you do female pick us pick us a, a couple of age groups wait a second where do I, find, do, I, do I go to that link there and yeah where do I go find the age groupers uh, down below you'll see race results hopefully <laughs> maybe you can't because uh, I'm logged in and I'm a I'm a virtual athlete so maybe maybe you just hit me with some age groups okay I'm gonna say last week we did like okay I'm gonna say 30 30 okay and the females females just after I clicked on the males you okay. said females <laughs> okay in the 30s oh no I can't see it 30 34 we had Lauren Barbano from Canada smoked it 156.07 winning by over nine minutes 
that's a crushing victory. She ran 40 minutes and 33 for her 10k run. She biked 105 and ran 10 minutes 30 for her first run. 10 minutes 30 is not hanging around. Uh, so nice work. She's in 30, she's 31 years age. How about this one? I've gone to 80 plus men. <laughs> and wait a second, it's just gone. No, I accidentally clicked on something. I'm, I'm going to say Anike Sanchez from mm. Mexico. Um, 158. That's, that's okay. This is where the and and I will say this <laughs> is where the validation has to come plus. in. Is I remember that the winner from last week, who was the first female on here, didn't end up being the winner overall. So maybe her results and she was like a semi pro, I think. So I think they are doing a bit of vetting of the top athletes. They're not going through everybody, but when they see well, sometimes he ran, what was the six mile run? So ten k run was it? Ten k run. He ran forty three. 80 plus yeah. I think might Biked be the wrong age 101 Yeah And then ran 12 minutes Yeah that's not happening That's not <laughs> well, happening With second place in his category uh, Howard Goodman Who may be end up being the winner He did 411 <laughs> <So> <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. Nice work. That's more than a, that's, that's not a dojo domination That's a planetary domination <laughs> oh, Absolutely two, About 2 hours was it <laughs> 2 hours and 12 minutes <laughs> Nice <laughs> This, again, this is only, we're a day behind here, uh, and so they won't have had that chance to go through <laughs> age groups like the 80+. plus. The female 50-54, I'll do Tanya Houghton was first, Magdalena Schlingsker from South Africa was second, and Sue Dawson was third. Tanya's time, she was from the US, did 2.04.24, and her splits were hopefully coming up for me in a second. Oh, oh they don't want to, oh. You do one, Bevan, and I'll... Well, I've gone to the men 45 to 49, same guide. Yeah, yeah, he's legit. He's been uh, a winner in Hawaii, and yeah. he did well age last week. Age group winner in he's Hawaii. He's been an overall age group winner, hasn't he? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Either, yeah. either winner or top three. But he only won by two seconds. I know, so it was really close, and it was another yeah. Belgium dude. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. No, no, oh, Romania. No? Okay. Yeah, I think Romania. Um, so what was his times? So 142.21. Mm-hmm. With Sam's time and splits, and and he he split. Why let me pull this up? He only beat the eighty year old by about ten minutes. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ran thirty five forty nine. That's legit. Fifty six uh, forty three, yep. and then ran nine forty nine. Solid first run. Age forty five, uh, and then yeah, Tanya Houghton's times were forty four minute run. 107.48 on the bike and 12.23 for the first run. So, yeah, I really like the look of this stuff. And, uh, yeah, as I said last week, if I wasn't sort of building up for a half marathon and doing Zwift racing, I'd be on it. So if this is still going later in the year, I'm looking forward to it. Damon Clark, a Kiwi. New Zealand flag looks funny in this. But Damon well, Kiwi, shouldn't we have got another flag? <laughs> Don't start another John on a, Don't start John on a flag team. Yeah. Don't start him on the flag. Okay, so there you are, virtual racing. So teams are competing with males and females have paired up. It happened as well. Yeah, so we had, the in, the, in terms of the pro racing, what was cool this time around, uh, and you're going to hear this later on in the coverage, is they did it a bit different. They actually managed to get them film, filmed, the pros doing Running. a 3K run, yeah. the first run, and that was actually quite good. They were Booking it, man. Really? Um, it was it was pretty impressive. So Tyler Taylor Reed uh, won the was first off the first run. He did eight forty seven, which Ooh, is which is three k for three k, which is pretty solid. That's it's pretty easy maths to do on that. That's sub three minute k's. That's not Jeez. hanging around. Uh, and on the female is smoking, isn't it? Yeah. Is the Kiwi, oh no, he's not the Kiwi boy. Who's the Kiwi Reed boy? Hayden Wild. No, isn't there a boy called Reed for Kiwis? There is a Taylor Reed. Yeah, he's a yeah. world under. 
23 champion a few yeah, years ago. Boy. It was so different Taylor Reed. This okay. one's a Canadian one. On the females, Nikki Bartlett ran 10-10 for the fastest female run. Uh, and then, again, giving credit to Ironman, they're doing a, a good job in terms of covering that. Um, the interaction with the riders, the, you know, comparing it to Zwift, the picture quality is a lot better yeah. and they have a little bit of interaction with them as they're, they're sort of going through. Um, so in general, they do a better job than Zwift. Again, it's only four people, so it's a little bit easier to do that. Uh, so they had, yeah, they had uh, males and females paired up. So you had Team Great Britain, which was Nikki Bartlett and Joe Skipper. They ended up taking out the teams competition, uh, and then they had a bunch of other preems as you go through the race, just to try to keep it interesting. And and uh, it's still, you hear people say this is a future of racing. I don't think so. It's, I don't actually find it. I I have it on in the background, and it's something sort of interesting to keep your eye on. But it's not. You know, if you compared that to the Tour de France for me, I'd be sitting there watching the Tour de France glued to the screen. That's a bit different. What about comparing it to watching an Ironman? Um... It still just feels gimmicky to me. It's like, I'm watching it, and it's interesting, but... There's not really much on the line, so it's, I'm not drawn to it. Uh, so yeah, that, but they're doing the. I think they're doing as good a job as they can to make it exciting. Try some innovative things, uh, and so Nikki Bartlett absolutely crushed it. She took out all the preems on the female side. She ran 10:10, then rode 57:08 for a 107, winning by four minutes. So Angela Nath, and on the men's side though, it was bloody exciting actually on the men's because Ben Canute had a really good first run with an 8:48. Joe Skipper. Only ran a 9.14 for his first run. And we know that Joe Skipper's uh, a good cyclist, but he's up against a short course athlete in Ben Canute, who's mm. also a good cyclist, but got in front of him. And it was, oh. you know, you had that slight time differential. So Joe was, what, 20 odd, 20. Five twenty, or nearly thirty seconds down after the first run, uh, and he almost got that up on the bike, and there was only two seconds yeah. difference in them at the end. So yeah, really good, uh, really good racing. So just looking at the PR release, I've got here um, over fifteen thousand athletes from one hundred twenty nine nations registered to compete in the Ironman uh, eleven. Uh, a dual distant format more than 3,000 age group athletes registered to compete in this race uh, and over 100 registered only half of them did it oh really yeah oh. so they had 3,154 and it's not cost to register is there? no and then 1,511 finishes okay and then uh, more than 105,000 people from around the world have joined Ironman virtual club platform so they're going to be happy with that yeah you know because it's, it's just about keeping connection with your audience isn't it yeah. so um, so overall pretty good stuff um, other racing John we did have the Z Pro, the Zwift Pro League happen as well yep so uh, really good strong fields racing there you have long course athletes and short course athletes the long course athletes are winning at the moment which is kind of cool to hear and you'll hear and how long is racing uh, last weekend what did they do uh, I did have it on, and you see, this is how engaged I was with it. Uh, I can't even remember what course they rode on. What about like an hour, two hours? Oh, no, more, more like sort of 45 minutes. Jeez, you thing. wouldn't have picked that, would you? Yeah. No, and it's in sprint finishes most of the time as well. You would have thought the short course guys would be dominant in Dojo. Mm. So you had, you had uh, the Zwift Pro Tri Is that because short course does more? What uh, about they draft? Why, yeah. why would that be? Um, Quite possibly because some of the long course guys are a bit bigger, and so when it comes down to a sprint finish, they're able to just really crank it up. There's got to be pretty strong desire there. Like if you really, really want it, you've got to, you know. And it's for a lot of them might be, oh, this really doesn't matter, but I'll give it a good crack. But yep. but not that extra few percent. There's differences in in trainers in terms of you know maybe the powering's slightly off for yeah. some people. Um, but generally, you know, I think the main thing is the bigger guys are going to have more power to actually do the sprint. Uh, sprint Swiss has prize money. 
the, I don't know about the Zwift Pro Tri-League. Okay. Um, I imagine they must have something. Surely. Uh, but then the they, they had Super League Racing as well, and that did have some money. It wasn't that much because they, they were mentioning it. It was 100, 100 bucks here or there sort of thing. It wasn't thousands of dollars. Uh, it was more in the hundreds. Okay. Uh, and they, they also did a good job, the Super League coverage, have, in, have inserting some interviews into it and just to try to make it a bit more engaging. So the, the challenge with Zwift is they... It's not quite. It's not made for this yet for for, for no, spectator viewing. Yeah. Because it wasn't happened, designed to be an entertainment platform for people no, to watch, was it? It was no. a training platform, and so that they they're having real problems at the finishes trying to call who's actually won the race. When you're commentating, you're going, "Oh, I think so and so won it," and then the results come up and they didn't. And so uh, that part still needs some joy. Yeah, that part needs some ironing out. Okay, uh, then Super League also put their toes into this world as well. Oh, yep, I just mentioned that. Oh, did you? And, but we also, this time last year, we had Ironman France this weekend last year, and it was a very, very hot day, Bevan. So hot, in fact, that they decided to shorten the run. Jeez, that's pretty rare then, isn't it? Very rare. So it went to a 30k, so actually and bike, bike and the run. So, okay, so they did a full distance swim, they biked 153 roughly, and then they ran 31. And they still took, oh no, 7 hours 15 for the win. Yep, and James Kananama took it up. Kananama. And he's actually absolutely smoking it on the Zwift series, uh, regular on the podium, and he he is a bigger guy. You know, we've interviewed him before. He's, he's a solid unit, and you compare him to someone like, you know, not that Mario Mola's doing it, but he's one of the tiny little dudes. Yeah. He, 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 it makes sense that he'd just crush him in a sprint. Uh, so James Kahneman took it out in front of Kevin Runstadler from France by about seven minutes or so, which was pretty much all done on the run, and Freddie Van Laird was in third place. Uh, on the female side, we had Carrie Lester take it out. She loves going and racing in France. Uh, she won by four minutes in front of Tina Dickers, and Marianne Garnier was in third another five minutes back. So I'm in France. It's a race I want to go and do one day. Okay, so you've got here Challenge Professional Triathletes Unite at Challenge. What's the name of the race? Uh, Florianapolis in Brazil. Okay. So this was just interesting. We, we get all these press releases sent through. So uh, they're hopefully going to have Challenge Florianapolis, which used to be where they had Ironman Brazil. I don't think they still do. Uh, they're going to have a challenge race there later in the year. They've got $60,000 prize money up. But the press release came out, yeah, the, the professional triathletes organization are also involved in this so it's another example of them teaming up with a race and specifically challenge, challenge yeah um and so i'm not really sure what it means you know did they come up with the sixty thousand dollars prize money did, was that challenge and they just kind of had some sort of agreement but anyway hopefully we're going to see a race in november in brazil with the pto sort of uh you know aligning themselves with it and this is looking like a pro any race uh don't know about that no, well, based no. on what's happening in Brazil right now, you can't see the having yeah, well, uh, If I was a pro, are you thinking, where do I not want to go? Yeah. Brazil's probably fairly yeah. high on the list. Their Brazil. leader is a nut job. Yeah. Sorry yeah. if you live in Brazil, if you're a Brazilian listener, but he just seems like a... Anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the other piece is the PTO have a kind of a hub page, and one thing that John kind of picked up on is that Frodo is saying that he has six Ironman World Championships in mind. He has three currently, which puts him alongside Crowey, Peter Reed, and then we have Mark Allen and Dave Scott, who both have six. And the females, we've got Paul and Newby Fraser, got seven, Badman got six, Wellington got four, Reeves got four, Miranda's got three. He, he can't get six, can he? Who oh, knows? So he's got three. And I yeah. suppose if next year he gets two. Mm hmm. Oh, true, yeah, true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like, because next year, once, if, if, if he's as dominant as he was last time, mm. 
in theory, he could pull off two in one year. Mm. So then he's only goes. So okay, you, I'm going to do the age thing. So anyway, the, the the PTO hub page does have a bunch of interviews on there, and they they've got all the big hitters in there. And uh, yeah, they had an interview with um, Fredino, and he said the hunger is still strong, and he's still got some really good goals. Okay, and so he's he's thirty eight, yeah. turning thirty nine this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's born the day before me. Well, years apart, maybe <laughs> yeah. uh, four years apart. Uh, so he's the 18th of August, I'm the 19th. But he, what am I saying here? So he... Six seems like a lot, and he's only got three. But as you said... He's probably got two years to do it, but... Because realistically, when was Crowe when he won it last? Uh, I don't know if he was 40, but he was like... He was late 30s, definitely, definitely. So as we haven't said... I hadn't thought about that too for next year. Uh, so look, if he keeps his body in shape, he's he's so much better than everybody else. Um, but things can go south really quick, as we've seen, you know, with Brownlee to an extent, um, with Simon Lessing to an extent. Um, yeah, you see, when when you fall off that cliff, it, you can often go downhill pretty quickly. So. Okay, so Crew's now forty six. Mm-hmm. Two thousand eleven, he won his last one. So that's nine years ago. So he was thirty seven. Yeah, yeah, and he, and then he did. Yeah, Crowe's the greatest example of this really in modern times because they you know obviously things have evolved a bit more since then but you did notice in the next couple of years because he came back the next year didn't he and he just didn't have it mm. and then you know you did find that kind of the desire had gone though at that stage I think the, the, the high 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 level desire yeah maybe extra few percent yeah because I remember I interviewed him he was pretty gutted wasn't he mm. but he was almost like yeah he had that desire but well, we'll know in February, won't we? Yeah, but yeah. I, I often say, you know, what's left, what is there left for Frodo to do and how much desire is there? But he was adamant. He said, you know, I'm highly motivated to keep going and keep winning. Well, he needs to win one more. Mm. Because, you know, we, like right now, as, you, as you've got this category here of who's won what, Reed, Crowe and him, mm. they sit on a standard, don't they? Mm-hmm. And whereas Alan and Dave, but you can argue it was different times. Mm-hmm. You know, like winning three nowadays is probably harder than winning six in the 80s, mm-hmm. 90s. It's not taking any away from those two because they're both legends. Um, but for him to kind of go that next level, it was like Jordan the documentary, when the Jordan documentary when he wanted to get that first three-peat because mm-hmm. Larry and Bloody Bird, and, I mean, and Magic Johnson had never won three in a row. You know, so he definitely needs to win one next year. Mm. So, so, which you would, which you would say is possible. Oh, absolutely. Especially in February. Mm. Oh. Double up. Well, what are the chances? Here we go. Here's a good question. What are the chances of there being the same winner next year in both races? I think, yeah, I think it's highly likely. I think Danielle Reef quite comfortably. She's she she seems to be able to handle racing. You know, a she's going to have to race three Ironmans in a year. You would assume if you do February, then you've got she gets an automatic slot. You still got to validate somewhere, and and then she'll be in October again. So do you, yeah, do you think next year if you season. win February, they'll give you the slot anyway? I don't know. You kind of think maybe. Mm. Gonna yeah. be a funny old time. It is gonna be a funny old time. Although we'll wait and see. Um, what on the boys' side? Any boys you think good, or other than Fredino could win both? If, if Fredino's at a hundred percent and he's everything goes his way, I can't see anybody beating him. But no. that, but then again, you know, if you have a little injury, you're out. He's had a few injuries over the years. So, and if you have a bad day, if you have stomach problems or something and he's not at 100% then absolutely people can beat him mm. but if he's at 100 and everything goes right same with Reef. I can't see anybody beating her okay John last week's discussion was pretty simple and it was actually quite a popular one what is the most pointless triathlon purchase you have ever 
made. I'm going to start here with Steve Sutherland. He's got power cranks. I tried using them for a while, quickly realised that I was never athletic enough to make good use of them. Still have them if anyone is interested. So power cranks, those ones where... I never rode them as well, but the idea is <clears throat> your cranks are sort of freestanding, free I guess. So both the crank arms are pointing down, and the idea is you've got to pedal uh, in synchronicity to sort of the whole time. So is it a training tool? Yeah, but you some people them? still raced on them as well. Um, so and I, what I was the idea? Why, why was it just to find rhythm? But to yeah, make sure you're using the full pedal, circle? Pedaling circles, um, left, right balance, etc. But yeah, I never, never tried them. But they, um, they, I've certainly never seen anybody use them uh, No, they're a thing of the past, aren't they? Definitely. Yeah. Um, what, about, what about those? Okay, you go. Uh, Lucy Francis, those water bottles with the straw and yellow mesh in oh, the lid. That? That yep. went between your aero bars. One ride, and I've dropped the yellow mesh, and then you get a small bump, and you get water all over your face. It is a try vintage souvenir. Yep, she got lots of feedback on that as well. I'm going to say Florian Hage uh, has got here. Uh, brought a glass prism uh, and planned to glue it to the edge of my helmet so that I could see the road ahead, even with my head down. Couldn't go through with gluing something so beautiful to my helmet. <laughs> nice. Mm. Also brought an Iron Man coffee mug once at the expo. I dropped it and destroyed it in, in minutes after walking out of the store. Uh, and then I had to. Uh, then I went on to DNF from the race that day. Bad karma. Never buying Iron Man swag again, especially not before the race. Mark Funkster Brooks, Brooks, one of the more expensive power breathe respiratory trainers, had the digital display, etc. Internal battery died two weeks after the warranty ran out. That oh. always pulls, rips your jocks when something runs out just after the warranty. Yeah, those that does um, suck. yeah power breathe didn't, didn't really seem to take off. No, they didn't, did they? Trevor Custon's got um, two carbon bottle cages at seventy five dollars each, even at my lowest weight. Uh, seeing I started six packs, I was still 205 pounds, total weight of 150 bucks. It is true, people who buy weight, we maybe just want to lose a few kgs. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Uh, Stuart Martin Lawrence, a Zip 808 front wheel for Ironman Lanzarote. So if people don't know what a Zip 808 is, it's quite a, a deep rimmed front wheel and Lanzarote is extremely uh, windy and hilly. So you go riding that over there on a windy day and you're going to be holding on to your handlebars rather tightly. Zippy Hughes got a good one here. A high-end wetsuit. I'm not a good swimmer, and I need all the buoyancy I can get. <laughs> That's funny, but also true, because the high-end wetsuits are brilliant for flexibility, yeah, but, but they're thinner. usually not as buoyant. Yeah. Uh, so usually the mid-range one is the way to go for if you want uh, buoyancy. Yep, you go next one. Uh, quite a few people have put in their, the, the, the races I've entered for this year. Pavel said the 70.3 World Championships uh, entry for Taupo. Uh, Volker Voigt must have said, uh, or he said, must have been the, pr- the paid slot for South Africa 70.3 Worlds and then decided not to go because he's shit scared of sharks. Oh, really? Uh, Greg Howes has got here Zoot Triathlon running shoes. I don't remember which model exactly, but they were like running in clogs and no faster to put them in using electric laces, uh, sorry, elastic laces in my regular running shoes. Did one race of them before eBaying them. This one's a real surprise. Yelly Helix uh, Hendrickson, who's, I think he's living over on the West Coast at the moment, he, he said, a smart trainer. Even with Zwift, I still prefer to go out on the Canterbury Southerly for a two-hour ride then spend 30 minutes on Zwift trying to convince myself it's fun. P.S. If anybody in Canterbury is looking for an elite Dorito um, with maybe 50 kilometres on the clock, hit me up. So I think he got it just before lockdown and just did not like it. I, I get it, but it's a, it's a good training tool. Sally Curry's got the, the altitude tent. 
Oh yeah, totally. did you? Did, did you? Gordo used to sleep in one of those, didn't he? Well, he had an altitude room, so he had uh, sealed off his room in our place in <laughs> in Mount Pleasant, and uh, that's such a Gordo thing to do, yeah. isn't it? So that, then all the windows were sealed up and everything like that, and he had the generator sort of out the back there. So it wasn't a tent as such, but a tent's even Everybody's more. Everybody sleeping it, would it? Yeah, and then the, the tent was even more restrictive because then you are like literally. In was a it tent. Brian Rhodes or someone? Someone used to use it. I think it was Rhodesy. Probably. He lives yeah. next door to my in-laws now. Oh really? Yeah. So he's back in Christchurch. He is. So what's he doing with himself? Scaffolding. Is he? Mm. Oh, wow. That's a life. Mm. Um, Andrew Winter's got entering. Oh, yeah, we've done those. Uh, what Race you insurance, James Thomas. Tim uh, Swanson's got a subscription to Lava Magazine. Yeah, I don't even know if that exists anymore. Maybe it does. Brian Ashby, he's got here designed, uh, uh, profile design back of the seat cage, bottle cages. Not content with making up a mistake once, I did it twice back in the Ironmans. Uh, the soft alloy couldn't hold the weight of the full bottles and the teeth broke off every time I went to over a bump. Neither made it through the 180Ks. Total waste of money. Last one, I'll do Matt the Albatross uh, Young, uh, the Psycon Aero Comfort Jet Bag in January. The reason that's funny is because he bought it in January and he hasn't been able to use it ever since because we're not uh, travelling anywhere. Well, there you go. Well, Mark Jensen's got here. He's got good. He's got... <laughs> My chances is gold. He's got a photo. He obviously bought some shoes that were motivating him to do Route 2020. And he's got the, you know, you can get things printed on your shoes. Yes. So he's got Route 2020 printed on his shoes. <laughs> Not happening. It's supposed to be happening in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, what a bummer. Uh, John, what it was you being your most pointless? Um, I did have a couple of things. Now they've just uh, eluded me. Um, but I did notice one of the comments on here, they had the little. Um, the, the fitness tempo swim trainer which is actually a really good tool what is it it, it teaches you to swim with rhythm and 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 so, so it's, it's, it's like, like a, a metronome, metronome type okay. thing and it can and it's so it's actually a really good tool but it's just something that's just sat on my shelf and i've used it a few times and it is good but i just don't use it especially when you swim with others it just doesn't really work so that's probably been have you got a good a wasted one have right? you, when you used it did you realize you were kind of out of sync uh it's like a cadence meter. It keeps you in sync. So it's not like uh, it's more when you get tired, then it keep keeps your cadence oh, okay. up. So that's where it's, it is. It's a useful tool, but you kind of got to be committed to use it, like a lot of things. I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the trend here, John. I'm gonna say one thing I bought that everyone laughed at, but it was absolute gold. Was remember I used to have that seat cover? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. So seat cover. So it's like a foam extra layer on top of his seat, just it to was, pad his little tushy. But I tell you what. I never, I never used. I, I did use cycle shorts, but you didn't have to use cycle shorts. And I tell you what, I loved my. And everyone gave me shit about it. Yeah. And it did look stupid. I'm not going to deny it. But it was like a gel seat, and it was, and it was one designed for a, for a proper road bike. It wasn't like a big mountain mm. bike one, and it just worked so well. And I, and it was the best buy I ever bought in triathlon. My little tushy. Okay, I'm I'm coming up with. Oh no, I've I've got, I've got a topic for next week. Uh, not for, we've got one already in this week, but I'm going to have the stupidest thing other people wear that really this kind of bug you when you go training. <laughs> okay, so give me a couple of examples. Which is what bugs you about others when you train? Yeah, Gordo used to have this <laughs> um, this sort of uh, cover he'd put on his helmet, so it was like a rain cover almost, and so you put it on cold weather, so then you wouldn't get the air going through your oh, okay. air vents. Yeah, yeah. Look like a complete tool. <laughs> And then another one, John Ballard, and I think Melina has these as well. They've the got ear things? The little ear covers. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like your helmet's got sideburns, eh? Yeah. Yeah, and so it's basically what it does is it's almost like a wind funnel, but it's kind of fluffy, yeah. and it kind of sits over your ears, and so it keeps you... And it, Melina swears by it. Oh, they, they, again, 
like that tempo trainer, practicalities of it are great, and, and and the idea it also gets rid of a lot of the noise. Yep. So really good, but it just looks stupid. <laughs> Melina, sharpen up. Okay, this is a great question. It comes through from Greg Land. He's got apparently I've been doing my best thinking at the off hours at three a.m., which is not great for my training, but at least something good came out of it for me this morning. Uh, for a question a week, and what he's got here is, if you could meet or train with anyone uh, now or in their prime, who would it be? So, and John's actually kind of changed it a little bit to say any athlete or triathlete. triathlete. So, if you could train or meet with any triathlete now or in their prime, who would it be? And maybe you put now or if they're in their prime. Mm-hmm. I just um, didn't want to get all the answers like Michael Jordan and things like that. So, we'll keep it to triathletes. Yeah. Well, well there's this week's discussion. Uh, he would say, my, my answer would be Eddie, Eddie Merrick. Eddie Merrick, who's a cyclist. Who was a good druggie, wasn't he? Well, they. Uh, yeah, not condoning it or anything like that but apparently even. apparently i read a book i read a, i think it was breaking the chain did you read breaking the chain yeah, yeah breaking the chain was kind of the first book about all the drugs and they talked about how eddie's breakfast you know and there was this young guy who was an up-and-coming guy so so basically in, the, in his breakfast i don't know whatever they're putting in it but it must have been some kind of drugs mm. and uh so he you know before the race he'd have this breakfast and one day some young man up and come accidentally grab his breakfast mm. he just had this blinding race <laughs> like, what happened there oh you grabbed Eddie's breakfast um, okay so that's the discussion things like that Eddie Merckx would have won anyway probably there was that, that good anyway what about Lance to- agree again do you think would Lance would have he would have been extremely good he wouldn't have been as good because Lance wasn't that great before all the drugs yeah it's true I don't know yeah because Lance hadn't done huge... We're not doing this weekend, Lance. Let's move on. <laughs> Did you watch the doco? No. No, neither. Didn't really care about it. Okay, John, let's get into the interview. We've got a great interview coming up with Nikki Bartlett. Here she is right now. Okay, guys. Um, fresh off absolutely smashing everybody's... Uh, dominating the dojo. Dominating the dojo last weekend at the Ironman virtual reality race. We've got Nikki Bartlett. She's a pro triathlete from the UK. She won Ironman Lanzarote last year, uh, as well as 70.3 in Ireland, and then lots of podiums in the, the years before that. So welcome along to the show, Nikki. Guys, thanks so much for having me on. I've listened to this podcast ever since I begun triathlon really well especially as when I turned pro I can remember um um because Rob Cheatham coaches me so Susie came on with you guys I think in 2016 yeah and I can remember thinking oh god the dream to get on that podcast <laughs> and there we go four years later I'm on you made it so you um you obviously you started in 2016 as you said as a pro um what was your sort of background yeah. before that in terms of your, your sporting background um I, I guess I did everything at school but nothing really special like I did kind of county level of a lot of things um but but yeah nothing specific and then I went to university and started rowing mm-hmm. um and I was a bit to be honest I was a massive party animal before that like <laughs> is in ridiculous amount so <laughs> lived that life that life's um tick box um so i went to uni and um i was like right i need to find the athletic school um where is it and then this massive giant guy came up to me and goes do you ever think about rowing and i was like what is rowing and then i had a go and they had the best social life and drinking life and training life is <laughs> a theme yeah, so I went to the athletic social and it was just like 
and, and Neil out and we were in bed by 10 I was like nah this isn't going to cut it so then I quit athletics and went to Rowan <laughs> and then I just progressed with Rowan really and then as I progressed I stopped drinking as much which needed to happen at some point so um it was it was perfect timing so um yeah I stopped my drinking days in like my third year because first year was terrible at university um I needed to put my ideas up a bit so then yeah rowing progressed really nicely and then I went on to I did the girls for gold initiative in 2008 and it was um, an initiative to find um olympic gold medal hope hopes for a variety of sports um so I kind of got the levels for cycling and rowing but I had I didn't even own a bike then so I was like well I'm not going to do cycling mm-hmm. um so I just went with rowing um but I just kept getting injured and then a standard story of uh, a friend was like, I'm doing this half Ironman. And I was like, what is that? And she told me, and I was like, well, I can't do that because I can't swim. And then a week later, I'd signed up. So um, I did it and then just got the bug oh. and switched sports. I'm picking, like, given I've seen you in action yesterday in that virtual reality race, by your stature, I, yeah. I, I figure you're probably a lightweight rower. Yeah, yeah, I was a lightweight rower. Um but I always sat around like 60. So whenever I had to get to 57, and to be honest, you have to actually be below 57 because you have to weigh in at 57, smack bang on. It was just that little bit too light for me because I'm quite tall. Mm. Um, so I always called myself shite weight. Um, <laughs> like I just sat well. I was just too too tall really to be a lightweight. Um, so yeah, so, and then heavyweight was, yeah, they're far too, they were even taller than me and a lot stronger um so yeah i went into triathlon because the sports are kind of completely different isn't it because rowing is you know very kind of short and intense what was what's the difference like yes. as an athlete between the two yeah it's really interesting actually because at uni it was very short and intense um more just to do it around your studies but then when i went on the world-class program well i can remember my friend said she needed a pairs partner for one of her camps and this was before i got selected onto the world-class program and I went and I was used to this short, sharp stuff and we just did mileage and it broke me. <laughs> like literally I was like, oh my God, I cannot do this endurance. Uh, but you just, it's just one of those things that take time. So when I got into the program, it just took me a bit of time to get used to. But actually the GB Rome program is very endurance based to the point that it makes our endurance on long rides seem pretty comfortable. Really? Because um, you're knock, knocking out like 40k of rowing a day. Um that's why I find turbos absolutely fine because, you know, it could be an absolutely crystal clear lake and you'd have an erg session. So you'd be on the ergo and they are boring. Like you can't even watch anything. Um, and it, it was just so monitored, like, like sessions, just lactate, uh, testing all the time. Um, so yeah, turbos for me are so much easier than a, an ergo. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, so it, it stepped me in the right direction to get used to mileage before coming over to triathlon. Yeah. So um, before we sort of get on to triathlon stuff, obviously you, you've been doing a hell of a lot of virtual racing recently. I think I saw that you did four races <laughs> yeah. last week. Uh, I was watching the, yeah, the Zwift Pro <laughs> Tri Series. <laughs> yeah, and then you did the Iron Man virtual reality. So I guess my question is, um, why why are you doing so much racing, and is it just something to do, or is there a, a purpose behind the madness? Yeah, so I've gone into so when so when lockdown happened, just to give some clarity, um, I was literally in peak Ironman form because I was just about to go and do Ironman South Africa. So we were at like peak fitness, um, loads of mileage in us, and then 
just about to go into the taper and then it got cancelled and then we got and then we went into lockdown so I had all this mileage training so I was like right let's go back to winter training almost uh, so I had like two easy weeks of just doing what I wanted then we went back into quite low mileage high intensity um, so, and then every Thursday there's a group TTT we do on the Swift platform which is just so much fun um, quite a few long distance pros from, from Britain do it and we just have a laugh because you're on Discord and you're just trying to do a group TT and we're just, it just is a bit chopperish. Um, and that's great fun. And then I and VR asked me to come on the platform and then, and I stayed away from Swift Pro mainly because I really enjoyed the Thursday night and I didn't want to double the Wednesday and Thursday. Mm. Um, and then, so I did the Ironman platform VR7 and then last week literally was only meant to be one race. Mm. And then, and then last minute got asked to go on Ironman VR so that was, that was like, okay, that's two. And then Swift Pro was like, okay, now we're offering prize money. So I was like, oh, well, I can't really say no in this current situation to that. So I was, okay. I was like, that's three bike sessions. And I was like, that's fine. I'll just do a really easy bike week and just not, just basically just do that. And then Tuesday night we got told, because like the runs around the VR have just been easy. Yeah. Like you can literally just go and plod like five minute Ks. Um, and then they're like, oh, on Tuesday, they're like, oh, we're going to go with this new initiative and do a 3K hard run. So we need it filmed and ideally by Friday. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God, uh, <laughs> this Tuesday night, I've got, I've got Swift Pro Wednesday and I've got this chop. We call, our team's called the Choppers on uh, Thursday. And I was like, well, do I do it pre Swift Pro or the next day after Swift Pro pre the Choppers? And I, and I was like, so I just went and did it before the Swift Pro, but it was very last minute. Decisions. So then it became four, almost four races, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I did, I didn't go max in the three k. I kind of went because I thought if I go max, I'm yeah. going to destroy myself. Especially running. Yeah. <laughs> ten, ten yeah, exactly. Ten minutes, ten seconds. Still not too, not too shabby. Um, so that was one thing I noticed with the VR challenge. I mean, I know you'd done another one and you'd won that by quite a large margin. Um, and now they're offering prize money. So how does that sort of work in terms of, they didn't say how much they were offering, but I know you had preems and things like that. So has it sort of made it more worth your while? Or, and in the past, was it more just to, you know, lift, lift your profile? Yeah, no, they say always offered um, kind of the appearance fee of just turning up and doing the event. And then you get primes, you get bonuses for the primes. So this week, I think there was five primes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the first prime, I always get confused, and to be honest, I did it wrong in the race as well, but luckily I went fast enough. Um, so you got the first prime was the run and bike combined. Second prime was a 10K TT in the TT, in the 40K TT. Mm-hmm. And then the next prime was a 2K in the 40K TT. And then they did a surprise one, which was two 11 seconds max with 11 seconds recovery, which Ooh. was they literally dropped that on right at the end as well. <laughs> <laughs> And then the fifth one was a Nations one, So, and I was with Joe, which is great. Um, so Joe Skipper did it the next day, and we managed to get the Nations one as well. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, it's good. Without naming the amount of Sorry. money, what kind of is, is it worth your time? Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Especially when, like, I've done, like, Lanzarote and our opening admit, it's one of the best iconic races you can go and do. Like, I'd happily go and do that every year. But the yeah. prize money is just, it's literally, when it came from my bank and then when I worked out my expenses, I was like, I cannot believe I get that for a win. My first win and I get that through was just, like, insane. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when you compare it to, like, that, 
it's like I did an Ironman for the same amount. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, it's just good to hear it. Well, you guys are making some actually, money. No, from no, this not time. quite the same amount. Hey. Well, it's just nice to know you guys can actually make money through this. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, I don't think it's quite the same amount, but it's an amount which keeps you motivated for sure. Yeah, like, and it's just great motivation just to keep keep training hard and well, it's also have a focus. Like, yeah, I mean, literally, like an hour before, I was on the sofa upstairs watching Take Me Out with my dog, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I'm just going to walk down 15 meters and get on the bike." Um, <laughs> and then I finished the bike and went for a runoff and was back having an Indian takeaway. <laughs> I was like, this is so surreal. Hey, so just with, with this type of racing that you're doing right now, do you think whenever we can get back to racing, do you think it's going to hinder or help your performance? Uh, definitely help. Because um, like, I need to start putting some mileage in now because I've been on such low mileage for the last six, seven, eight weeks. Um. So yeah, so the, with low mileage, uh, so I'm going to start putting some more mileage in, some longer stuff, and yeah, healthy. But like, because everything's been so low mileage, I'm really fresh for each session. Whereas before, when you're doing Ironman prep, I'm just so tired, like all the time. So like, hard sessions are just always going to be that much harder, mm. um, take that much more from you. Um, so yeah, and I just knew if I carried on an Ironman build i could not sustain that for god knows how long like i like i can sustain it for like the eight to 12 weeks which we do in preparation but because there's no definite races like i couldn't just keep that up until november or so mm. i'll be absolutely burnt out mm. um so i'm gonna start slowly building in some mileage now um and just some tips for some of our listeners you know you've you've raced on ruby platform and uh and Zwift, you know, what What are the, other than Zwift being, no, Ruby being non-drafting, what What are your sort of impressions of the two and, and do you have a preference and different tactics and different races, etc.? cetera? Um, Ruby platform is brilliant. It's so much easier to set up. I really enjoyed the platform. Um, but yeah, I, I do like, so I'm really bad at te- technology. Like <laughs> if, <laughs> if I get a cut out I'm like I have no idea what I'm doing to get so Bex is my other half she does all the technology side um but yeah it's a great platform and like looks like real life um yeah really enjoyed it it becomes so it's slightly feels slightly more hilly I guess or Mm. the gradient feels more so on a Ruby platform than Zwift um because I completely forgot to change the the kind of um trainer resistance thing yeah yeah that I yeah. forgot to train it, uh, change it before, and I felt like I was just literally stood up the whole t- <laughs> the whole time on Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Because um, I did the Everest challenge as well, and I had it obviously pull up a hundred percent for the Everest challenge. And um, so when I did that, I complete. I just kept forgetting to turn that down. Um, so then, so then I was like, right, I need to turn this down now. <laughs> <laughs> any any Ever- So you did an Everesting challenge recently. Yeah, yeah, I did it. Um, when did I do that? About four weeks ago. Oh, nice. Did it uh, with Lucy Gossage Did it as well with us. Um, oh, yeah. There was we had seven of us on Zoom, and it was just so funny watching it all unfold. First rep, rep we were so all enthusiastic, and as, as the reps went on, we just all were like able to do like one sentence, and it was just silent, <laughs> <laughs> and just watching people uh, like some people went off way too hard, and then just died off but yeah it was great to do it on zoom 
Hey, just, just one thing, Nikki, because yeah. you seem like a real social soul. Um, you know, you talk about university yeah. days and it seems like a lot of your your choices are made around kind of, you know, how do I keep it social and stuff like that. You know, triathlon, especially for a pro, can be a bit of a lonely sport. Has this time with all the Zooms and the Swift actually been a more enjoyable time for you with your training or are you actually still quite social in your everyday training? Yeah, I like – so I'm also a British para PTVI guide. Um, oh. So I train with the para squad – in Loughborough University, um, and the squad's brilliant, really social bunch. And and then with any long distance athletes or age groupers I know around here, I always prefer to meet up and do a session. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I try and do that. But yeah, I just I probably even more so reached out in this time just to get like, even if it's just literally meeting up with a ride with someone on Swift, like, and just getting connected more with the community and the age groupers has been great through this time, definitely. Nice. Well, I'm sure they love having you here as well. You know, like it'd be pretty cool for you to turn up for <laughs> yeah. Um So r- run us through sort of your progression um, since you, you know, turned pro, I think it was either end of 2015 or start of 2016. So run us through your progression through the last four years and if it's kind of gone according to plan or whether you've had any major hurdles along the way. Yeah, I guess um, I've had a very, like, I'm I'm definitely not one of those people who can just come to the sport and uh, just, like, go straight and podium and win straight away. That's just, I'm not that kind of athlete. Um, so I started the sport as a complete novice, couldn't swim a length. Um, that's how I met Bex, my other half, because when I met her, I was like, yeah, I want to be a pro one day. And she was like, okay, let's get in the pool. And I was like, she was like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I... <laughs> um, so it took me ages to get the whole swim thing. I can remember my first swim was six 100s, just easy, um, going off, I think, six minutes, and I was coming in on nearly three minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, so, so yeah, so, so I, got, I wore it at uh, age group ranks um, for a couple of years before going pro in 2016, and then my first year went really well. I got, I got selection, I managed to get, um, and it, that's when it was points, so I managed to get enough points for World 70.3, um, so I've got that experience and then I kind of like was progressing very slowly and just getting quite, I racked up quite a lot of podiums for what, like 14 or 15 in four years, but it just became this, everyone called it the elusive win because I was just coming so close, but I was just not getting it. Um, and like, it became like, cause I do quite a lot of UK races just cause it financially makes a lot of sense for us to do that. And, like, the locals, like, photographers and kind of, like, Joe Murphy on the announcers was just like, come on! <laughs> like, sometimes I'd literally just lose it at the last, like, couple of miles. Um, so, yeah, then I, I made kind of my breakthrough last year in 2019. I um, managed to get the Ironman Lanzarote win, which, if it had to be saved for that moment, it's well worth the wait. Because <laughs> to do it there um, was just absolutely remarkable. Um, and just, yeah, probably one of the best days of my life. And... See, I got, and then I managed to back that up with a win at Amanda Leary 70.3. But I didn't race an awful lot last year because um, I was also, which was meant to be the start of our Paralympic qualification year. <laughs> but how, how times have changed. <laughs> exactly. Just, just on that, you know, because you, you, you get a lot of athletes like you who are kind of had this good career, but they can't quite crack the win. And then they crack it and, you, you know, there's, they just learn something about how to race and win a race. What what did winning yeah. Lanzarote in at 73, 70.3 shift in your mindset? I think it just gave me the confidence of that I, that's what I do belong in the professional ranks. Oh, um, yeah. So it was an identity thing. 
I, one, that is definitely one of the parts. Um, I wouldn't say it's just, that's the sole part. Um, felt like I kind of gave back to where, like, kind of everyone who supports me knows that I could get to. Because um, there's a lot of races as well, which are just, just went terrible. Like, there's a few races which I should have won. It just went so badly, like, on the day. Mm. Um, and then I spent 2018, most of 2018, injured. Um, so that gave me more fuel for the fire in the belly because I was just like I know this performance is in me um so yeah when it cracked at Lanzarote I was just like it was just pure elation that I just knew that's what I could deliver and I was still quite far off what I should be delivering so I know there's so much more to come um so yeah it just made me very excited for the future and just then you kind of get that that winning feeling and just like right now, I was saying it to, because I went for a run with Lucy at the weekend, and I was like, right, Goss, I'm going to try and beat your tally. <laughs> and then she started reeling her tally off, and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> maybe, maybe I won't. <laughs> I was like, so I need to win, like, one a year for 10 years. Okay, then. <laughs> oh, um, so, yeah, it kind of just gives you kind of more fire, fire in your belly just to kind of, and then give yourself some greater dreams and goals, because, yeah, I've got got a lot of goals in the sport and I feel like I'm definitely right at the start I know it might not seem it but I feel like I've got a lot of time in the sport left when you weren't getting the win how did you deal with that frustration um so the first was it felt like a bit of comedy then I was like oh god no this is actually literally is two years now like it's like just to the fact that I was that close to a win for about two years yeah um but yeah, it just it just shows that how much patience you need to have and just belief in yourself that it's there um, and it will come, but it's just being patient. Um, you know, like you see some athletes are like, yeah, I got my first pro win my first year as a pro, and I'm like, okay, that's not 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 a lot of people can pull something like that off. So if it just shows that actually it's just patience and chipping away and seeing really small gains through through the year is probably more realistic to what the oh. I've turned pro and I've just won like five races. <laughs> Damn that Chrissy yeah. Wellington. <laughs> I know, now Chrissy, setting the bar. <laughs> so t- tell us about your first um, Kona experience, which was last year. Uh, well, I had an experience before that and it was absolutely dire. It was so bad. Um, so last year, it, it's a, it was a really interesting one. I was very fit, way fitter than I was for Lanzarote. My performance wouldn't have shown it. Um, but I was just so conservative because I was just so frightened of the kind of passing out what happened the time before that mm. when I went. Um, so I just took it really conservative. Like, to put it in perspective, I swam so easy at the back of the pack, like, just so I wouldn't get hot. Mm. Um, came out and I was really cool and I was like, okay, that's brilliant. And then, like, I put lower watts down that I do in my easy rides at home. Like, I was just purposely just kind of just wanted to just make it to that line. So now I'm, I'm like, right, now now I've got the confidence I can do that. I can kind of build on from there. Kona is just such a hard thing to crack. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've got, I've got that experience and that finishing under my belt now. So, so now, I'm not, now I'm hungry to actually go and do that top 10, which I'm definitely capable of doing. So purely you just want to have a test run? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, just go to Kona, spend a ridiculous amount of money for the first <laughs> run. <laughs> <laughs> bankrupt us for five years <laughs> um yeah no no it's just, i don't know i don't even know how to put it i just needed that confidence boost of it's just so that uh, race is just insane like i don't 
I don't know how, like, when people put down some performances, I'm like, oh, my God, like, I am an awe. Like, hopefully one day I can do that. So what is, obviously there's so much unknown at the moment with regards to racing this year and next. Given you've got um, potentially the Olympics next year as well, um, you know, if we get back to racing later this season, what does the next sort of 18 months look like for you? Do you have to take a step back from Ironman racing and and your own career to focus on the Olympics? Um, So what does it sort of look like, assuming we have some racing later this year? Yeah, I guess... Assuming kind of like what we've got in our plans that races, Paralympic qualification races, say, start in February next year is probably where I'm looking at it being realistic. Then I can definitely do, like this year I had planned three Ironmans around Paralympic qualification and the Paralympics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can definitely fit it in. Um, around, and like I do quite a lot, a lot of high intensity training and it's actually like cause it's a sprint, so it doesn't take, like I think the what one of them I did like a two hour run after the race because I was like well I, I feel absolutely fine, um so I can fit in training around it and it, they're really supportive but obviously then I've got to um, make sure I'm in top form for those key races for for, for Alison for guiding, um so yeah we just look at the the diary and just think right if Alison's got a race here then in, I can use that as almost the start of my taper for an Ironman so then like two weeks after I'll go and do an Ironman mm-hmm. um so so we'll fit it around I'll, I'll fit my races around her calendar really um so that's why I was going to do Ironman South Africa this year because we meant to do Ab- Abu Dhabi and then I was going to go from there to to South Africa but that didn't quite work out <laughs> it was funny because at the start of the year I was like I wrote it all down I was like oh god we're only in the UK for seven weeks of the year or seven weeks from January till September now we in the UK for all of the year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just, just what's it like racing in the para? You know, like, like not many people in our world have that experience. So how's it different to being just in a normal triathlon? Yeah, it's incredible. Like to work with, it kind of takes me back a bit to my own days where you just have to work in unison with someone and tr- have that full trust. Mm. Um, it's just really like, cause every VI athlete, visually impaired athlete is different and what they want from their guide. So, for instance, for Alison on the swim, she likes us to be in sync. I've got a funny story about that, actually. I'll go back. So, um, she likes us to be in sync, so then she can almost feel where I am. Okay. Because when she gets into the water, she literally can't see. Wow. Um, so, to the point, like, in, in sessions, I have to be that bit in front of her, so she literally slips in my um, stream at my hip, because there's obviously rules and regulations. She can't literally sit on my feet, so we're tethered together, and she'll sit on my hip some athletes like it differently like Dave one of the athletes in the squad likes it where he's literally as wide and as part as his guy as possible so I just like to go and sync and then like we do touch um communication so like if we're going around a boy I literally couldn't get get this um when I first started because I was like I cannot whack you that hard but you literally have to whack her on the head so hard so she knows it's the boy to turn really <laughs> um yeah and then we'll do different taps. I won't obviously say them all in case of competitive listeners, but different taps with different communications like speeding up or or whatever because she won't know if someone, someone's on our feet um, or if we need to speed up to get on someone else's feet. Um, and then on the bike, it's just literally uh, like just getting on and off the bike. That's a massive skill in itself. Like otherwise, just like coming, like sometimes you're going at a ridiculous speed one of them was you're going down this hill at a massive speed and then you were doing a flying dismount. That is pretty frightening. Because mm. um, like Alison has to swing her leg around and then when she's got her leg around, I have to get mine up and over 
um, the bar, and then we just jump off. <laughs> and that's oh. speed. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, so just loads of stuff. Like I can't just stop pedaling, otherwise, yeah, she'll just carry on pedaling. And then stuff like I need to communicate. You know, if you're stopping at traffic light, because if I don't communicate that, we'll just stack it. There's so many <laughs> different things to learn. Um, and then like on the run, the run's pretty straightforward. You just get to have her and I just tell her where everything is, but the runs like, so it's only 5k run, run and they do like three loops. So it's just usually straight out and back on racing. So that's pretty, pretty easy to do. But or, uh, me being able to be a race guide for Alison has helped because alison has got a training guide. So she's got someone all the time with her training day in, day out. Yeah. Um, so it allows me to do my training. Um, and then also slip into her training just to get kind of like that fine tuned before races and just make sure we're working well together. Um, and then I'll tell you a funny story of my first race with her. Literally, we were about to go off and this, we were on a rowing lake in Milan and all these weeds come down the lake. And I was like, oh my God, I tell her. And I was like, I'm just going to tap. There's loads of weeds come down. I just don't, like, you can't even go around them. And anyway, we went off into them and her tether flew off. Because oh, no. before the race, we went through every single scenario that could go wrong and how to overcome it. Because a lot can go wrong when you're guiding. Um, and that was not one thing that's ever happened in her, like, 10 years of racing. And it's like, I lost her. So I was like, oh, my God, I've lost her in the oh, weeds. No. And I have to go back, get the terror on, and pull it back on. And sw- and then, can't, like, because I don't know how she's reacting, like, just remain calm. Because when I looked up, I was like, oh, my God, they're, like, 100 metres gone. <laughs> and then just cut, like, make sure we're both calm and then just swim off. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get sacked. I've lost, I've lost my athlete already. <laughs> <laughs> but we managed to put it together and win so it was quite good but um so, so one question yeah, I've got is you, if you've got this um tapping system i assume it's a mass start what if somebody else clobbers her on the head and she thinks it's you whacking her and she tries to start turning and you want to sort <laughs> a straight line do you know that actually hasn't happened i might put that to her because i haven't even thought about that <laughs> <laughs> then i'll be like no come back she'll probably feel me tugging her back over oh, yeah. um but yeah, no, that that is actually, I'm going to actually ask if that's ever happened. Because yeah, it is messy. Like there's, I mean, there's only ever eight on the start line, but really it's 16. And mm. they're all pretty similar s- swim standard. Um, there's probably about five athletes who are around the same ability. So like you, it can get really clumsy together at the start. There's only 750. How hard is the racing for you? How is it? How hard? Oh, how hard. Um, so the, the swim's pretty punchy. The bike, I could literally go max. Like, I literally, I absolutely annihilate myself. That's why all these VI races suit me, because my strength is the short of stuff. That's kind of why I'm picked to do this wrong. Um, so my strength on the bike is the short of stuff, which I need to start converting my FTP percentages over to Ironman, because I'm just so far off. Like, I'm literally doing about, in races, about 60% of my FTP. And mm. um, the 70.3 and I man, like I've got a lot to go. Um, but it's coming. Like it's definitely like Lanzarote. I managed to get a 12 minute lead off the bike, so it is definitely coming. But I've got a long way to go to to do it. Um, but yeah, so so I can go max on the bike, and then the runs probably like about my 70.3 run off the bike pace. Yeah. So then I feel right. Like it's only like it's just a bit of a tempo. Mm. runoffs but then it needs to feel like that for me because i need to literally talk to her throughout like i need to be able to just keep on it talking to her give her motivation tell her what's around her she gets confidence from knowing where her athletes are and then if i wasn't um 
quicker runner. I wouldn't then be able to max out on the bike. Mm. So part of the guidance um, procedure when uh, they put out the kind of advert to apply was, you know, your run time does need to be around about a 17 minute 5k, if not less, um, to be able to literally, because I, I literally, my mouth is wide open, inhaling any air possible on that bike. Like I'm just <laughs> killing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of the advantage you can get from having that aspect as a guide. So that's kind of how we do it. And then I can just talk non-stop like I am now <laughs> at her on the run. She's probably like, shut up. <laughs> Brilliant. So at this stage, um, as we know, there's, there's not a lot of certainty about racing. Um, obviously, there's a few announcements yeah. with uh, like the Daytona race, um, Kona in February, uh, and maybe some late season racing in, in Europe. So have you kind of locked anything in like a you know for for Kona I mean obviously you don't know how you're going to qualify but um would you go and yeah what what are your sort of thoughts around how the qualifying should work it's really interesting like realistically are we going to be able to race I mean obviously there's what 15-ish pro females already qualified Mm. um but even just just like if there's a February race can spot like they're sponsored um, partners do two Konas in one year and two 70.3s like is it viable for them to do that um, will they pick like in my head I'm like oh my god they're going to pick like top 20 from Kona last and I'll be like damn it and this out in three spaces just to hope loads of female pros getting pregnant <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yes they might do something like that like they might say right top 20 from last year Kona but then you've got people like Sarah True um, Rini, who they're going to want on the start line. Mm. Um, so that won't, and, unless they do some wild cards as well, um, or they do some, I don't know. Like, it'd be really interesting to see what they do, or if they just end up in it, I don't know. Mm. Um, I mean, it, like, it'd be amazing for me because it would be cooler. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully it'd be a little bit cooler yeah. in February. Um, so, yeah, but then it's like, well, how do you qualify? And, it, yeah, I'd be then, and then especially because if they took, top because i'm not in the top 50 pto rankings because i only did really those two races last year Mm. um so that i'm not in and also it it worked out that my i'm and leary win didn't count as one of the points systems or something for the pto rankings which i get a bit confused around how it works but um he put in that my kona 23rd was a greater achievement than the win or something on on how it all works so so i didn't yeah so essentially i'm out of the top 50 so if they said top 50 i'll be like oh god because i won't get an invite which is pro- I, that's what i'm talking about because daytona is top 50 or top 40 plus 10 wild cards or something but i don't know how they're going to do that but oh. but if if it goes down the avenue of entries of top 50 then i'm not going to get very many race starts <laughs> oh. Oh, i'm sure it'll work out yeah. so um look Awesome talking to you. Um, yeah, in, in terms of people, if they want to follow you, you know, the listeners, um, what are the, what are you, you, you I'm, I'm impressed you've actually got a website up to date, which is um, better than most people athletes. <laughs> is that not? <laughs> which is good. Uh, so if people want to follow you, what's usually the best means to do so? Yeah, Facebook and Instagram is where I'm most active. So yeah, just Nikki Bartlett Triathlete on Facebook and Nikki Bartlett, I think I'm number one for some reason on um instagram so yeah just see with those two platforms and yeah feel free to get in touch and and have a chat 
And if, and if you want to go and if you just plug Nikki's name into Google and put in like Nikki Bartlett triathlete or something like that, there's an interview you can find out what she's been doing in lockdown. I saw an interview you did with uh, oh, my tri- <laughs> dressing up during uh, dressing up during lockdown. So go on there. There's a little clip of uh, Nikki. And that doesn't surprise me about you. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I literally did eight weeks running a Spider-Man every day. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It's the best run block I've ever done in my life. <laughs> Maybe you need to race in it. I know. I literally want to get my uh, race kit kind of designed as Spider-Man. That'd be amazing. Oh, cool. Like, Love it. with the effort. Oh, I'm looking forward to um, seeing you racing a bit more on the online platform and hopefully in real life. I noticed that there's an Alp de Zwift yeah. uh, Z Pro Tri-Series race coming up, which could oh. be pretty bloody interesting. That would be epic. Like, Because the thing is, on that platform, I just don't know how Zwift really works and the power-ups and stuff. And I just made so many mistakes last week. I mean, Beck's like, yeah, we used the power-up here. This is the final hill. And it literally, it wasn't even the final hill. So when I got to the final hill and I was I think there was like eight of us left in the lead pack. Everyone put their featherweights on and I got dropped by three seconds and I had to put, I think it's something like 450 watts, 400 watts for like a minute just to get back on. Yeah. And it destroyed me. So then I just stayed in the pack and I couldn't do a sprint finish. There was not a chance. And then there was the KOM. So I didn't have a clue about those as well. So I was like, and this one, I need to do some research. So actually tomorrow I need to have a look at what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Do your homework. Love your work. Awesome. Thanks so yeah. much for your time and I uh, look forward to seeing you Thank in the you. races coming up. Thanks, mate. John, your thoughts? I'm just almost wondering if Nikki shouldn't be focusing on short course bloody bike racing. She's an absolute weapon. and uh, She's winning some Ironmans. She's doing all right. She's winning Ironmans as well, but geez, she's crushing these bike races. And because I saw that first Ironman VR that she did, and she just absolutely drilled it. And then again, this weekend, she um, beat one of the fellas on the bike, her bike time. And it's all legit because she's on there on a kicker and all that sort of stuff and you hear her FTP and things like that and uh, it's impressive riding and if she can translate that even more to her Ironman racing. So she said there she's only riding at 60, you know, maybe 60-ish percent. You know, most Ironman athletes are riding at 75% of FTP. So if she can transfer that, she is just going to be beast mode. So one thing I love about Nikki is, A, what a cool chick, but secondly, She's a real good example of that the sport doesn't have to be a lonely sport. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think a lot of people, it's such an isolated experience. And you can tell that Nikki's just that kind of person who loves being around people and being in a community and stuff. But she's, she makes it work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing, you know, like a lot of people in this sport can kind of end up neglecting a relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it's so consuming and it's so tiring. Uh, but, you know, like you can actually make it work so your sport can still be a really fun social thing. And I just think it's a... You know, she's a good role model in that area because, let's be honest, there are a lot of us athletes out there who just get your training done by yourself. And it's, it's sure, it's great, but it's maybe not as fun as it could be. So mm. well, She's just another one in the chain of amazing Poms. British um, yeah. female athletes. And and just a lot of them just are really cool people, you know. Yeah. Um, you just, we reel off name after name and they're just yeah, really good interviews, aren't they? personable people. Yeah. Okay, John, three, two, one, website of the week. week. Good old DC Rainmaker's got some competition here, John. Well, no, they actually work together. Oh. So uh, I don't think I've done this as a website no, of the week before. No, you haven't because I've never heard of it. GPLama.com. And it's not so much about his website, it's more about his YouTube channel, but you can go there and, and get the links and what have you. So GPLama.com. And he is basically the 
YouTube version of DC Rainmaker um, and does similar sort of stuff. So product reviews, product testing, specifically, you know, power meters. um, And the other cool thing, he does lots of um, how-to things. So for example, I was on there last week. I wanted to know how you can hit 100 kilometers an hour in Zwift because there's a 100 kilometer an hour badge in Zwift. Uh, and he's got he's a trying to click with the badges, are you? Well, no, it's just one that I thought, oh, I kind of want to go after that one, but how the hell do you do it? And Phil, the Philinator told me, oh, GP Llama's got a little clip on it and it goes through how, how you can actually, where you need to go to do it and what you need to do to be able to achieve it. So have you tried? I had a half effort last week and didn't achieve it. What did you get up to? I was in the 90s. I think I was like 91, 90. A mile or 100K? 100K. Okay. And so there's, there's some tricks to it. So you, you go and watch um, GP Lama on YouTube. Yeah, he's watching, he's doing, oh, cycling in Grand Theft Auto. Have you seen this? I did have a very, I wasn't really interested, very interested in that. But he's also got other really cool clips like uh, kicker maintenance um, and just, everything around indoor training and how to build like a work stand, just lots of really innovative stuff. The difference here is you don't get quite the the high, high level detail that you get from say a 20 page DC Rainmaker write up, but you get enough for me, you know, a a 10 minute clip is enough to to, to work you through. Other things that he's done that I've watched, uh, he did a little demo of the mountain biking mode in Zwift when you can actually go through one of their mountain biking tracks. So lots of really, really cool things. No, you actually switch onto a mountain bike and you're riding along on Zwift on the roads and you make a right-hand turn and you go onto the mountain bike track and then you're actually uh, using your phone and there's like an accelerometer in your phone and you can actually be turning your handlebars for your your steering. It's not proper real-world mountain biking, but you're actually steering on your bike. So you need to have something under your front wheel so you can actually move it around and you have your phone connected (laughs) and so on. So that's going to be one of the next things that comes out on Zwift. Is Thomas into gaming? Uh, Yeah. It's amazing. Minecraft. Oh, but, but like like PS5 or PS4 or we, we don't have any of those things but if he, if he, if we had one he would be because I tell you what John I, I'm out of look, do you know that world no <clears throat> I'm so out of touch of it but yesterday I was kind of just wasting some time on the net and they had a, did you watch The Mandalorian no but he did yeah yeah so what they did, they did to show you how they've used the technology with The Mandalorian so traditionally when you're watching big kind of productions it's all green screen Mm -hmm. but mandalorian didn't really use it at all or very minimally what they Mm -hmm. did is they created this room which is a big circle and they put this massive led screen around the room i think on the roof and the floor as well Mm. maybe not the floor but whatever um and then what they did is they got the people from one of the big game companies to create an inner world game world Mm -hmm. so it's not even it's not even like uh, it's basically like that in a game Mm. and when they're acting they're watching, so the actors actually feel that not no longer in the green screen. They're actually kind of in this, in this, they can see the world, but the world's actually like a game world. Mm. And you just look at the graphics, then you see the production on TV, and they're saying it's really great because the problem with green screen is after the fact there's no reflection on things, so you have to go in and put all the reflection, and it's a lot more work. Whereas this is because the reflection is coming off the LED screen. Um, but it was phenomenal, man, mm. and it was just phenomenal when you're thinking the world that's behind them is not. They haven't gone out and take footage. It's literally mm. the same thing that you used to make video games. Mm. Oh my god, this is. I, I know I'm selling. Mine like, was blind. I'm selling like the old guy right now. Yeah. Oh, did you just see Pac-Man. <laughs> Yeah, but geez, though some of those games are bloody impressive, John. Nice. So then you can, uh, yeah, back to try stuff. GPLama.com. Go to his website, or you go to his YouTube channel and check out anything you need to know about sort of power meter. It is cycling. He's not a triathlete, um, but anything to do with sort of power meters, indoor training. Does he do any running stuff at all? 
No, he's, so he's not a triathlete. Okay, he's a cyclist. Specific stuff. Okay. So I'll put a link to that on www.imtalktomedge. Three, two, one, winger of the week. We're not having any, any music today, Bevan? No. No music no. week? Busy day in front of me. Okay. I mean, I'm making us a website, a webpage, John. Whoa, we're really going high tech here. <laughs> yeah. Don't we already have one of those things called a no, website? We've got a website, but I'm doing a web page and I'll tell you about it later, John. Okay. So I'm, if I want to spend less time on I'm doing it, I'm giving 45 minutes a week to do the web page. Right. Yep. So, so you know, if I have to put music in, John, that takes 45 minutes. Yeah, okay. It's <laughs> one my editing, so that's why I'm not doing it. Anyway, uh, Winger of the Week, John, what's the number? What's the number? I'm going to say the number is. The number is... It's one to a hundred. The four. tension is melting. Four. The tension is building. Four. Four. Good old Louis de Giuseppe. Louis oh. the Fly. 24 hours and 43 minutes. He Bye-bye. got back in the pool. One hour, 18 minutes. He rode 17, 50, 17 hours and 51 minutes on the bike. Tell you what, that's a body that sums some yards. Yeah. You know, like, like when we think about it, Louis Louis's a rock star. I love Louis. He's the nicest guy. He got to see my wife, my ex-partner naked. So, you know, like, it's totally a win-win. Um, he's been in the sport since the 80s. Yeah. Is, is, did he have a rest period? Did he have a period where he wasn't Damn, in it? Highly unlikely. Probably a few ups and downs, but... Uh... But Louis, and the loveliest, loveliest guy. And, uh, and yep, and he, he... Look, he's... How old Louis, John? Um... Let's say, uh, let's take a guess. I'm going to say he's probably 55 to 59. I yeah, guess. he's in that range, yeah, something like that. Um, so Louis, he's still doing 24 hours a week. Yeah, one hour 18 on bike, 17:51 on the run. No, one hour 18 swim, 17:51 on the bike, six fifty five fifty three. Far out, Come spit on, it out, man. Come on, John. Five hours 33 on the run. Uh, so Louis Di Giuseppe, he's from pretty sure Louis from as well, and he's from St Louis. Okay, uh, I'm, pretty, I'm doing a search sure. for him on Facebook. See if I can get his age. Okay. Uh, he's from Brent, Brentwood, Missouri is where he's got it. I thought he was from St. Louis. Uh, he's got pictures. He's got a bit of a pool out the back of his oh, place. Oh, got a friend of his on Facebook. There you go. Oh, he's got such a great smile. Okay, let's have a look here. About, about, about. Retired aerospace engineer and intelligence analyst. Life events? Does he have his birthday? No. But he started, okay, he started the United States Air Force Academy in 1982. Mm-hmm. So he was probably about 20 then. Mm. At 82, so that means what do we be now? So it'd be, it'd be back close to 60. Yeah, that'd be right. Has that body's done some yards, John? Still going strong. Qualified for Kona. Can't uh, see my partner naked. The year before last, <laughs> when we were at 70.3 Kona. He got a roll down slot by one place, I think it was. So still cranking out the miles. Oh, go, Louis. And good, good man in the sport. So that, that was a good number. And the reason cool. I went that number, because Phil Guild on the news last night said the Warriors were only going to win four games this year. I know. And we've already won two, and I've got 16 games to go. He knows nothing. Oh, full guild. Anyway, John, uh, questions and answers. We've got a Robert Boom Boom Beeling sent through a great little article on Facebook about a man who is an absolute nut bar. Adrian, I'm going to say Costura. Yep. He finished the longest duathlon this Saturday morning. This is a few weeks ago. Started with a 60-kilometer run, a 900-kilometer bike ride, and then two 11-kilometer run. Four days, three nights, all worked out, occasionally interrupted by a power nap for minutes. Um, after this, we spoke to him. He said, I feel very lame. <laughs> I miss my bed, but I'm not really tired. Yeah, very good. Nice work. So that's what people have been doing. Crazy stuff, no racing, but they come up with some crazy challenges. What do you reckon the craziest, the, the craziest challenge to me was the guy who did the, the three-meter ultra run? 
Oh, yeah, that was but yeah. That was yeah. that was the craziest. Or you've, yeah, ran, ran laps and is. It was literally from here to that TV away. I know. And he did like a hundred k, didn't he? Yeah, that's so madness. That was mad. That was, it was twenty four hours or something. Yeah, yeah, bugger that. Okay, John, let's talk about our, our patrons. You go first, John. Larry, Lord Business, Bricketto. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, Rich, I'm oh, sorry, David, Dream Unit, Richards. And Glenn, the Red Bean Machine, Osman. Okay, good. We've got a new one here, and it's from Jennifer Edwards. And it's got, I listen to you guys every week since 2009 when I started Triathlon and really appreciate all you do for our community. A tiny bit about me. I started Triathlon in 2008 as an overweight hockey player on a mountain bike. Of course, it made sense for me to jump headfirst into a sport full of spandex, six-pack abs, and carbon fiber. Over the time, I have found myself progressing, starting to make podiums at Ironman races 7 and 8, and finally qualifying for Kona at Ironman number 9 in Texas in 2016. After racing Ironman number 10 at Kona in 2016, I had a couple of health setbacks, but have remained in the sport and intending to finally uh, dip my toe to the start line in 2020. Side note, I tend to randomly and highly consistently, oh, I, I tend to a randomly and highly con- inconsistent blog about things, big things in my life, mainly as a cathartic Mainly as it's cathartic. Oh, as it's cathartic. Uh, through health setbacks, I've learned that this has helped others with similar challenges know where they are. They are not alone. I've included a couple of the key posts that there should be some interest through my intent of becoming a patron. So solely to support you guys, not as a presumption you would read this, but we, uh, we, can. we are anyway. Yep, there you go. <laughs> so we'll put a link to it. She's got a Kona report, but she's also gone through some health breast cancer, some Achilles reconstruction, and just her story, kind of her comeback story. So I'll put a link to her website on www.iontalk.me. So John, nickname? I've come up with Triple Jump. Tell me about it. So Jennifer Edwards is her name. Yep. Have you heard of Jonathan Edwards? The name rings a bell. He was a triple jumper for, for Great Britain. He definitely won Olympic medal, gold medal. Here's, here's a question I, for you, John. When did, why did a triple jump get invented? <laughs> I get long jump. Yeah. I get the, who's the highest jump? Yeah. But why did someone go, who can do the first? Hop, skip and a jump. I'm going I'm to search this So you can't tell us about it. That may well be hop, skip and a jump. Because that's what it is. Why? So anyway, Jonathan Edwards was a gold medalist for, for the Great Britain. He may have won a couple of gold medals. He was very famous. So he must have done quite a bit because I knew of him and I don't know that many Great Britain athletes. Uh, so he was a fantastic triple jumper. So that was the first thing. Her surname's Edwards. So I thought Jonathan Edwards. The other reason why I think triple jump um, fits is because um, Jennifer's been through several challenges to get to where she is now first one she came from being overweight to qualifying for Kona um, which is if you read her blog it's a bloody impressive journey to to get there and uh, and a big challenge then she's had to overcome breast cancer um, and then she's also had to overcome an Achilles reconstruction so there's three things so I thought that's another nice. another reason for the triple jump so I'm going to go with triple jump unless you've got a better uh, suggestion Ben. No, I like it the other thing I will say about this, I had a quick read over her so uh, Kona race report, and I'm always happy to hear that I'm not the only douche that <laughs> forgot to take the swim skin off. At least I did it in the 70.3, whereas Jennifer did it in Kona. She well, so you say she's worse than you? Well, yes, you are. You're worse <laughs> than me, Jennifer. Shut up, Jen. <laughs> she wore a swim skin in Kona and forgot to take it off, and at least I only had to ride 90 kilometres. She was potentially going to have to ride have to ride 180. She, she realised... Um, soon enough that she was 
going to take it off and she managed when you came back through town to take it off but then she had another cock up when she took it off she accidentally took off her quark tracker that she'd, she'd purchased oh, for the race no. so your fat friends and family can so see exactly where you're out. at and then that's just sitting down on the side of the road or down by the pier so I'm glad I'm not the only one that forgets to take off your swim skin okay. done it once don't think I'll ever do it again okay John here's a couple of interesting things about the triple jump mm-hmm. first thing is the, the origins of the triple jump are obscure John they do believe that it was um, in the ancient. Oh, sorry, they, they believe it is based on the children's game hopscotch. Yeah. Um, it has been a part of the modern Olympics since the 1896. But back when it first started, there was no run up. Oh, right. Yeah. Which is a completely different sport. And I think yeah. it was only two, two hops then. But mm-hmm. now they've added the third hop and with the run up. And that happened mm-hmm. after the third Olympics. So to this day. So mm-hmm. there's no real reason or rhyme. Mm-hmm. And, and who decides? Is it, you're, you're a bad long jumper? Like, I don't know. Because it's like, you know, hurdles, it's often... You're a good sprinter, but you're not quite good enough. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. No, I don't know. don't know much about the event. Is it the most strangest sport in athletics? Uh, the hammer throw is pretty strange. No, throwing, throwing. Mm. Yeah, I suppose it is. You're twisting. Yeah. I get a shot put. Mm. I get javelin. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of war stuff, isn't it? Yeah, but I suppose the hammer was a bit warish as well, yeah. wasn't it? yeah. In a war, you probably wouldn't go, I'm going to hop, skip, and jump over these guys. No. no. <laughs> Don't worry, guys, I'll keep the other side. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, there's this week's education. Okay, John, what have we got here? Um, so, thank you very much, Jen. The triple jump, last name, Edwards. Uh, Jombo, if you want to get the show, if you want to become a patron of the show, go www.iontalk.me. It's a great way to support the boys get a gift support the boys in the show that's the main thing uh, if you want to get your show email to you bottom of the front page put your details and I'll email it to you each week when we release the show coaching coachjohnyuston.com my podcast I released one yesterday the Bevan James Isles show go to bevanjamesisles.com cool website I mean content age group week and so on I'm talkpodcast at gmail.com John Yagos how'd the kids go in the race kids smoked the race we had a couple of W's for Team Newsom. Team so. Newsom. Well, now last week when you left you said because Fee's obviously a pretty good runner Felicity's a very good runner so, pretty confident she was going to win convincingly and she dominated the dojo John yeah. 2k race she won by a minute and a half apparently that's a dojo domination mm. but Thomas you were thinking if he get, you thought second to fourth fifth I think you said yeah he's normally I was thinking he might get second if he had a good run smoked them. what happened he just gassed it Beat, beat the fellow who's talented runner, and is the fellow who's talented runner a hard worker? Um, I'm not going to criticise a 12 year old kid, but uh, Thomas, shit. <laughs> Thomas is a hard worker, and he had his strategies and everything, and played his cards perfectly, and uh, won convincingly. And was he over the moon? He was pretty pumped, but he's yeah. Was he humble? Mo- modest, yeah, humble. He was humble. humble. Yeah, he wasn't uh, it's hard going to be humble and when you shoving like religion, but eh? shoving in people's faces. So that was good. Uh, and then did a swift race at the weekend again, Bevan. Oh, it, was, it was a good one actually. Um, and I'd encourage people to try some of the longer racing because we had a race. Uh, it was like forty-three kilometres and went over the epic KOM, which is about a twenty-minute climb or twenty to forty minutes, depending on how how quick you are. And that really smashed the race to pieces. And then it became more like a bike race because. The other races you do, it's basically hammer, hang on for dear life, and just keep on hammering, and there's no sort of downtime yeah. or anything like this. Whereas this one, you know, you hammered up this climb for 20 minutes, and then you had several minutes of freewheeling, and I I was in no man's land, had to sort of sit up and wait for people to catch up. Uh, so it was actually like a real proper bike race, so it was quite good fun. The only downside was that I performed so well that I screwed myself out of the category that I'm in, and I got bumped up a category. 
Oh, wasn't no. happy. <laughs> you bugger. Wasn't happy. <laughs> so, so that means basically from here on in. Well, it's a series event, and I was sitting in second place in A grade, which I was thinking, oh, this is good. I, I wasn't going to catch the guy who's winning, but I'm going, oh, this is good. I'll keep getting points for me and also for the club. Wait a second. If it's a series event, shouldn't you just stay in the same for to the end of the series? Well, it's based on power weight, and if you exceed the category, then you get automatically oh, okay. get bumped up into the next one. And and so anyway, I was sitting in second, thinking, oh, this will be good, really good for our club. I'll keep keep this up, and our club will do really well. And then I get bumped up, and then I'm down the field again. Who's your club? Canterbury Tri Club. And you're racing who? Uh, just anybody who turns up on Zwift. Oh, okay. Yeah. So but you're not racing time. like, I don't know, Wellington Tri Club? Um, just all the clubs in New Zealand. It's oh, a triathlon okay. New Zealand sort of series to race. So mm. it was good times. Really enjoyed it and yeah, put out some big numbers, which was good fun. Outside of that, Bevan, we had a sleepover at our place at the weekend. The girls disappeared for the weekend and Thomas had a sleepover. How so many kids? Only three kids. So Did that you was tell enough. them to shut up? I, yeah, they were pretty good. 9.30, told them to shut up and go to sleep. And watch lots of sport, Bevan. Um, oh, we've got a problem. back. We've got a problem. The Warriors, so this is uh, this week in the Warriors. Mighty Warriors won. First week the first week I watch it, they won. Yep. Convincingly. Second week, decided not to watch it. Well you've got to commit now, John. Yeah, they got you absolutely spanked. Then the next game, watch and they won again. You have to commit, John, because mm. I love the Vodafone Warriors. They're the hardest team ever to support. But if you watching means they win, mm. if I, I'm gonna teach you next game. Mm. When's the next game? Let's figure this out right now. Because and, uh, I'm gonna teach you. If you're not watching, I'm gonna come around, <laughs> grab you. Especially if they <laughs> lose. <laughs> Uh, and then we also had live sport in New Zealand for our Kiwi listeners know that, but we had uh, rugby we're, we're crowds, and we had crowds, full full crowds, full stadiums, uh, and that was kind of cool to see as well. So okay, good times back in New Zealand. We had, we had a local duathlon on at the weekend. Not many people rocked up to it um, from what I could see, but we've got uh, sport back on. Was it not your duathlon? It was not. That's mine. why. That's right. Because if you were putting on, <laughs> would have been going Friday nuts. night eight o'clock. You know, it's a bit of a late one. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Be up till ten. What time are you going to be on Friday night? 9.30? That's an extra half hour, Ben. You've got to commit to the team, mate. Is that 8 o'clock kickoff? Yeah. That's okay, then. You'll be home. You'll be by 10. If the 8 o'clock coverage, then it's 9 o'clock You kickoff. watched that 8 o'clock last week. Who are we playing? The Rabbitohs. We've got a chance against the Rabbitohs. Right. So you basically, at the moment, the top teams are just too dominant. We're not... We basically, if we can finish against the teams that are below us right now, it would be a good season. Rabbitohs are just below, above us. Now, Rabbitohs are normally a good team. They're probably our better team than us. So for overseas listeners, the Rabbitohs are owned by Russell, Russell Crowe. Crow. Mm. Yeah, he bought it. He actually, it's a really cool story, actually, because what happened was the Rabbitohs are one of the first teams ever in the sport, a real iconic mm. sport rugby league team in Australia. And then they went under. When, and when they merged, they made some changes to the leagues a few years ago, and they actually got rid of the Rabbitohs. So Russell Crowe and one of his big, rich mates said, let's bring the Rabbitohs back. They brought them back, and then they won the league about, oh, about five, six mm. years ago now. Um, and it was kind of a pretty cool story. So that was pretty cool. What's happening in your world, Bevan? John, have you been out partying yet? We went out for dinner. I don't know if I'd classify that as quite partying. Tiddly? Sorry? Did you get pretty tiddly? Yeah, we had a few. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've been out partying, Bevan. Wow. You know me, wow. John. Club, nightclubs are open again. Oh yeah, yeah. Imagine, imagine the shag in the heaven that night mm. <laughs> at the nightclubs. Um, well, no, we didn't, well, we had a birthday party, so we had caught up Joe's family on the weekend, and then my mate Marky Mark, his daughter turned seven, mm. so it turned into a, a, a big night, mm-hmm. and they had a karaoke machine, John. Mm. Very good. When there's a karaoke machine, did John Newsome come out? No, uh, not usually. I haven't done a lot of karaoke in my time. Oh, you go do karaoke. Mm. I'm not a great singer, but I, I made one mistake, John. Mm. 
I went with a song which I, I knew I knew confidently mm. and I, I'm an okay singer. I'm not a mm. great singer. I'm not a terrible singer. I'm, I'm, I can, I'm okay at best. Um, but I went with Ice Ice Baby. Oh, gosh. Do you, have, do you yeah. know the words to that? Yeah. Yeah. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. I back my brand new invention. And, and so first verse, I know all the words off by heart. And I'm, yeah. I'm pulling off and, and everyone's doing the ice, ice, baby. Yeah. It was like, I was literally like vanilla ice in the 90s. Mm. I was cool. I was going to get my hair shaved down the side. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you have steps? No, I did not have steps. Oh, come on, John. God. We lived on different sides of town, Bevan. <laughs> did, you have a, did you have a red style? No, again, we lived on different sides of town. <laughs> I had a red style and steps. Oh, like, why does that not surprise me? So, so, so first verse, I am, I am, I'm, I even do the, the, the running man, I do, because yeah. on the, in the video of the, uh, Vanilla Ice, he does the sidestep running man, so the mm. running man, sidestep running man, pulling mm. off, I side, everyone's in, second verse, couldn't remember any of the words, oh, no. so I went from being king of the hill, to drowning in a second, so then, yeah, the second half of the song was just, and what did Joe pull off? I was actually surprised, because I, Joe's, Joe's not normally, she was, I don't think she might have been a bit tiddly, she sang, I was in the lounge with the boys at the stage, and I heard someone singing. I can't remember what she sang, but she was she did a good job. Nice. What would you, if you hear karaoke someone? What are you singing? Cypress Hill. <laughs> <laughs> what I wanna get? Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cypress Hill. I don't even know if they'll be on the list. Yeah, be a good one. Yeah, I did. I did do um, Sweet Caroline as well. You just kept there. on going. It's like everybody's left the room. Bevan's <laughs> still in there. It turned out it was just a Bevan concert. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, good times. Other than that, John, what about this weekend? Uh, don't know. What's on this weekend? Nothing too much, I don't think. Just a stock standard week. It's a bit like that, Going it? for a run now out in the sun in our 19 degree day. Where are you running? You're just going to run up the top of Harry Allen back yeah. and then settle back you into the You should see office. how you can go against Strava in a top 10 on the fastest down. Not on Tuesday, I'm not going to. Oh, yeah, it's actually a random question. Who... Has Strava changed for you since they've changed? Yes, a little bit, but it doesn't bother me. In what way? Well, you can't see, you can't compare all your different performances, I don't think, on a particular segment. Anyway, I'm not too. So you can't see who's actually in the top 10 now? You can see who's in the top 10, and you can see your best time, but I don't think you can see all your performances that you've done on oh, that so particular Oh, so you can compare time. yourself to previous mm. runs. Okay. I was just kind of curious. Think. We talked about it, but yeah. Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick up. Up.